get winter ready with Blackmore's Bio C 1150 tablets from Chemist Warehouse, now only $31.99. This is In the Red with Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball on SENZ. Edition of, um, sorry, I'm just trying to turn up my headphones here. Um, yeah, welcome in. Anyway, we celebrate the Crusaders for the next half an hour for the final time this season as they celebrate their seventh consecutive Super Rugby title, beating the Chiefs 25 points to 20. An enthralling encounter, a wonderful final. A final, well, I guess if you're on the losing team, there's always going to be a little bit of controversy, but when it's all said and done, they just know how to win. Well, joining me as he always does on a Monday night is former All Black great, or All Black great and Crusader great Justin Marshall. Justin, welcome. Good evening to you, Watto, and good evening to uh, everybody joining us for the last time this uh, year on In the Red. And uh, thankfully, mate, we've still got a show because <laughs> the Crusaders got through A to the final um, and B, obviously, a great result for them at the weekend. Yeah, wonderful result. I mean, I think what this makes special for me is the quality of opposition they had to beat in that final, the fact they had to win away against the Chiefs team that only dropped the one game, but also this was a team that I think more so than any other Super Rugby franchise was just decimated with injury. So many marquee players out, and yet this just seamless transition that we've discussed, this ability of Scott Robertson to just be able to draw upon that wider squad. Yeah, and it goes to show that that squad is uh, basically the strength of the Crusaders, doesn't it? You know, the fact that they have been decimated with injuries, the fact they've had to, they were that bad, they had to get John Afoa um, back from, you know, uh, from France and, and uh, have him become a Crusader. You know, that just goes to show how deep into the well they had to go. Um, but again, also, I think what it does show is the work that Scott Robertson has done in the time that he's had the Crusaders in bringing through players and develop the, developing them underneath, giving them opportunities um, so that when they do lose uh, key personnel, you know, you, you think of the, the front rowers, but also the likes of Sebu Reese and Will Jordan um, only really sort of played the second half of the season. Jack Goodhue missed the first half, but guys like Dallas McLeod, um, you know, came, came through and uh, Fergus Burke, um, you know, th- those those players are what makes this side so good. Yeah, and again, when you sort of look at the final and you look at the final last year against the Blues, this was a case of the Crusaders coaching staff possibly out-coaching their opposition. And a lot of credit must go to Scott Hansen in the background, but the fact that they do their homework, they're smart enough to look into the future and go, look, there's a good chance we're going to meet these guys again in the semi-final or final. They are a good side. Yes, we've got a game next week, but we also need to be making sure we are planning and actually being able to have people who can concentrate on the next game but have that work ethic to be able to be looking beyond. Absolutely, and I think that's that's key, and it, it is what makes this side uh, so difficult to um, predict. You know, the, the, the Chiefs, having beaten them twice, um, would have to have thought to themselves, well, we know how to unlock this side. We know how to beat them, you know, but man, I was saying before the game to people I bumped into, you tell me the last side uh, and and I will be astounded that beat the Crusaders three times in a calendar year because, you know, they just learn. They, they learn so quickly and there's no doubt that, like you said, the work of Scott Hansen, um, Scott Robertson and 
and the entire coaching group to come up with a strategic plan to contain the Chiefs, not let them get away from them on the scoreboard, try and keep them close, and then when the time comes, pounce on them. You know, they, they, they very much, and I know this for a fact, targeted the breakdown. Uh, they, they felt that that was an area where they could disrupt the, the Chiefs, force them into getting slow ball, force them into kicking the ball away, uh, and equally uh, show, show, up, show up that they've got some inaccuracies there. And, and you know, that's just clever. You know, I, I hardly think of a Crusader that really got pinged at the breakdown. There's a couple for not rolling away, but in general, the players got to their feet. They, uh, they, they counter-rucked. Um, they were very good with their own ball. I don't even remember Sam Kane at all even getting a turnover in that game. So... So all of that is the background work and then the players believing in that area and just targeting it, and it, it was instrumental in the win. Yeah, that's, that's the, I guess that's the scary thing for me in this, is that I'm so super excited that Scott Robertson is our all-black coach next year, but I'm also really concerned this year because the Crusaders in the space of two weeks took a Blues team with a lot of all-blacks, made those all-blacks look very ordinary, and on the weekend, you mentioned Sam Kane. There's been a lot of uh, discussion around Sam Kane. He's always been, I guess, a bit of a controversial figure for a lot of people. Always hard when you come when you're the next guy after a Richie McCaw. You're always on a bit of a hiding to nothing. But whether or not, you know, is he genuinely? I know the Northern Hemisphere don't necessarily rate him. And then, you know, he's been great all year. And then the Crusaders come up, slow the break, you know. Uh, work on the breakdown, slow the ball down, and as you said, suddenly Sam Kane's invisible. And then I'm thinking, as an All Black man, the Northern Hemisphere are going to do this to us. And so, you know, is Sam Kane still the right guy? Um, and so, through the brilliance of the Crusaders, I'm now concerned about some of the All Black selections. Yeah, for sure. And and it's the Crusaders' mantra, isn't it, to make good players who are in form look ordinary? Yeah. I think of the week before, Mark Mark Taylor was in scintillating form. But they made him look very ordinary. And then all of a sudden, there, there, there was chat that, oh, well, maybe he's not as good as what everybody thinks he is because the Crusaders just did a number on him. On, on him. They came up from outside in. They obviously spoke about not wanting to give him space. And every time he got the ball, he had a defender on him. He had nowhere to go. He couldn't even go lateral. And I think I, I commented on it last week that there was times that he was almost running backwards to try and get some forward momentum. So they have this ability, like they did at the weekend, um, to, to make good players look like ordinary players by putting them on, uh, putting them in pressure uh, positions um, throughout throughout a game by targeting specific areas. And the week before it was defence, this week it was breakdown. Uh, yeah, it is a bit of a concern, Watto. You know that that uh, very good players who are playing well um, with a certain type of game plan coming at them uh, can struggle. And, and, and not adapt. That's the thing that worries me the most. And I think that's been the problem with the All Blacks um, most recently is when a team throws something quite different at us than what we, that, that, that we're not quite used to, like Ireland did, like France will do, um, but in particular even South, South Africa, the way they defend and their kicking strategy that they adopt, it, it kind of draws us in and we're not, we, we've not got the ability to find a way out. We become insular as well. And... I certainly feel at the weekend as well, the Crusaders forced uh, Damien McKenzie in particular. I don't know why they didn't want to use Brad Weber to kick. I don't remember him um, actually kicking a box kick at all. He, he did do a, a clearance kick or two, but tactical kicking to win the ball back, the Crusaders, um, for whatever reason, put 
real pressure on McKenzie, uh, and he pretty much kicked the ball from post to post down the middle of the field a lot. And, and that's because they sat players back on both flanks, and so he felt there was no space or he didn't want to kick there. And that's the easiest place to be able to then counter-kick or counter-attack or whatever you want to because you've got so much vision and so much room from the middle of the field. But going back to what you said, it worries me that they can frustrate a guy who's in such great form and his kicking game had come so far to just kick, just banging it aimlessly down the middle mm. of the field because of the what the picture they were showing him. We talked about a lot of the injuries for the Crusaders, but I think the three players for me that, you know, you talk about rugby league, the spine of a side, but I reckon if you look at this Crusaders team, Cody Taylor, Scott Barrett, um, and, and Richie Mwanga, those three players, I mean... You know, yep. the energy, that, and we saw it again. Uh, I mean, just seemed to be going from strength to strength in the game. We discussed this yesterday. Hopefully they can carry that form to the All Blacks and that Ian Foss can get that out of them like Scott Robertson does. But but, but particularly Cody Taylor, I, I mean, just setting the standard, didn't he? You talk about the breakdown. You talk about getting to your feet. You talk about the turnovers. The guy has been arguably um, the MVP of the Super Rugby season. I mean, it's always easy to give it to the number 10, isn't it? But... You know, Taylor's been magnificent. He has been. Uh, you know, really, uh, to Mighty Williams, apart, he's he's been the cornerstone of that front row. Um, he, he hasn't been injured. Uh, the, the fact that he, he has had to carry that front row with all of his experience, he's lost all of his propping partners, um, and yet he hasn't faltered. In fact, I think it's probably, probably been the catalyst for him to front up and stand up. He, he's kind of gone, righto, well... I'm, they're dropping like flies. Um, these are all blacks that I'm usually having um, on, on each arm here, but they're no longer with me. So it's my responsibility to lead this front row. It's my responsibility to ensure that our line-out accuracy is there. And I'll take control at the, at the back of the mall. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll run that. I'll guide that, uh, that area. And I really feel that um, he is a player who stood up, but equally... Um, he's, he's encouraged to, isn't he? He really thrives in that environment. That's where he plays his best rugby. I don't think there's any debate about that. Um, he's still played some great tests and, and, and had some awesome performances for the All Blacks, but under the current regime, he struggled a little bit for some reason. So they need to find a way to get him playing in the black jersey the same, one, the same way he's playing in a red one. Yeah, you talk about him taking the responsibility, uh, stepping up, being empowered because of the injuries around him. But can I also suggest that maybe, you know, to stay number one, you train as if you're number two. And young Toki Ahau, who he clearly matched up against, has come along, yep. uh, arguably the breakout player for the All Blacks last season. Um, do you think that's influenced him as well? The fact that, hey, I have to lift again, I have to take the bar to another level. Maybe complacency had crept in a little bit? I think certainly, yeah, because. You know, there, there is there is no nice feeling about a, a player coming in and, and taking your jersey, you know. And, and Tolkiaho did that to um, Cody Taylor last year where he started earning starts and deserved them. He was playing better, and it was as simple as that. And as a seasoned All Black, you know, we all go through those little sort of stages in our career where you either, at that stage, you either will fall away or you actually become a better player, you grit your teeth, and you go, okay, I'm going to take this challenge front on and I'm going to improve my game and I'm going to get better in the areas where I know I'm stronger than this guy. You know, he might be, he might be more powerful there, but I'm more powerful here. 
Um, you know, I'm going to work harder on my line-out throwing, whatever it might be. Yes, I, I think the fact that you get massive competition in your jersey, it stings because you want to be out there. You want to be part of the, the side. And when it gets taken away from you, you've got to sit down probably at the end of the year, which Cody did hopefully, and go, righto, I'm going to take this challenge on and I'm going to front it and I'm going to be a better player and I'm going to put the pressure back on him and try and win that jersey back. Justin, you've talked a lot about some of these Crusaders players who perhaps when they've gone into the all-black environment maybe haven't carried that same form and we've just talked there about Cody Taylor. Um, We know the culture that exists in the Crusaders and it goes back to your time and that was reflected recently with the Crusaders setting up their Hall of Fame. That's just what the Crusaders do. They do it so well. The fact that um, you were asked to provide a little bit of a video at the start of last week for the current side, maybe to remind them a little bit about the legacy. So the question I've got can Scott Robertson take his coaching genius that he's had at the Crusaders and bring it to the All Blacks? Do you believe it'll be a seamless transition that he can take that Crusaders culture and implant it fairly quickly in the All Black environment that he's trying to establish? I don't think he'll take the Crusaders culture. What I, I think he'll take his strengths as a coach into that environment and his strengths uh, as a coach is uh, making sure that he has his players wanting to come to training, wanting to put the boots on, wanting to be in the video room and do an analysis because they enjoy it. They enjoy the environment and they and they feel that they are encouraged to be individuals, but equally they feel that they are part of something really special. And I believe that's what he'll bring to the All Blacks. The, the All Blacks have a hell of a lot more history than what the Crusaders do, let's face it. That will get Scott Robertson out of bed big time. Mm. He will love the fact that he has now got the black jersey to theme, to get his players inspired, to make that jersey better than where it is now. That, that's what he does as a coach. So I don't have any doubt that he will create a culture, an all-black culture, that the players will thrive in. They will absolutely love getting out of bed every day and going to the gym, going to training, and more importantly, going to test matches and winning them, and winning big trophies continuously. His greatest legacy in the long term might be the fact that he's broken the mould, that he's now broken down some of the stereotypes that have long been associated with um, the personality or the way, or the type of person we think make good coaches. Um, you know, we've always had an innovation in the All Blacks and maybe in recent times we've been searching saying, where's the next step in the All Blacks? We're not writing the book the rest of the world's reading. In fact, we're now sort of reading the book the French and the Irish are sort of writing, which has never really been the All Black way. Is the next big All Black innovation Scott Robertson, i.e. a coach who is just a little bit left field, um, certainly in the way he is perceived? Yeah, I think it's where it needs to go. And there's no doubt, like, I played quite a lot, a lot of rugby um, against Fabien Gaultier, and he is the current French coach, and he is a unique character. He really is. You see him with his very trendy glasses that he's got on, but he, he is an individual that, that has uh, certain personality quirks that are, are different than others. But he still has coached that team magnificently well in the last couple of years and got them to number one in the world, you know, or number two, I think, behind Ireland at the moment. But, you know, that, 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 that those types of people, the key thing is that they remain the person that they are, regardless of having the biggest job in the game. 
And that's the key thing that people have got to recognise. If we want Scott Robertson to coach the All Blacks and coach them successfully, he needs to be able to be the person that you've just spoken about. He doesn't need to change his personality simply because he's now the All Black coach. I was so pleased to see him break dance at the weekend because I thought to myself, now that he's All Black coach and you've got the board and he's in a rugby union and the rest of the world looking at him, you know, is he going to kind of go, oh, maybe not now because I've got bigger responsibility? No. Hmm. He's got to be able to be himself and he's got to be able to go along and have those little idiosyncrasies that he has and still go surfing on the morning of a game and whatever it might be, it keeps his mind fresh and keeps him as a great coach. Yeah, and, and that's what I'm wanting. And so other coaches out there now look and go, yeah. hey, it's actually okay for me to be normal. And the administrators actually go, exactly. hey, it's okay to actually stop trying to pigeonhole people or trying to put them into a certain box. Let's just, it's actually okay to have some personality. In fact, it's a real strength. And maybe we've been a bit ignorant or a bit dumb and maybe crushing some of that. And so I wonder whether that is the legacy of Scott Robertson. And hopefully, you know, we see more players like her or more coaches like a Scott Robertson. Uh, look, um, we, we are going to take a break in a minute. Can I just ask you this? You would have played, you played a lot of rugby with Scott Robertson? I did, yes. Yep. Did you did you, did you ever get a sense that he would end up being a coaching genius? Did, did you ever sort of get a uh-huh. feeling that that would be the path? Because, you know, like I say, surfing, um, if you sit down with them, um, I've, you know, I've been lucky enough to interview him a fair bit on the radio over the times and I thoroughly enjoy talking to him. He's a breath of fresh air. But, you know, I'd imagine that playing with him at times, if you don't know him, he can probably come across, I hate to use the word, but he come across maybe like a little bit like a dumb blonde. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, I love that. He's not, he's not got enough hair to be a dumb blonde anymore. I yeah, know, I, I, and, yeah, and look, and, and, and I probably upset a few people by using the term, but you know what I mean, yeah. I know what you mean, no, yeah. yeah it's just a, a bit of an off-the-cuff comment and, and uh, sort of meant to be like, you know, you look at him and you think, man, you know, how does this guy uh, manage to achieve what he does? And I think yeah. it's just because it is him. And, uh, you know, he's, he's my probably my, very close to my best mate coming out of the game and I, I spend a lot of time with him and his family and we often holiday together so I know Razor really really well um, you know we were both Sumner boys and uh, we actually bought a big yellow van that took us uh, that we that we purchased for 800 bucks from Turner's in Christchurch and so we used to go to the airport and it, and, uh, it was right down his alleyway it was just yellow and a beat up old bomb but back to the point is um, you know the, the thing with Razor is you know that he has this ability um, and always has be a lateral thinker of the game and way back when he was still playing we used to choke because he would bring a playbook into training where he and we called it the playbook where's your playbook Razor? where's your playbook he was taking notes for coaching even when he was playing mm. and he was also piecing together ideas of how he wanted to coach and he had moves and theories and all that in it and he would take that book everywhere so no mate I am not surprised he turned into being a coach and a very good one because he was always motivated to be, motivated to be that way yeah, because uh, people just didn't see that. People don't know that, do they? I mean, no. you see these guys no. briefly, and sometimes you think, oh, yeah, you know, you see certain players, you think, well, maybe the light's on, nobody home, and then, mm. you know, and then they surprise you when you do get to know them. And, um, yeah. yeah, no, it's because we all sit there because he is so different um, and, you know, breaks all those moulds as we've talked about. So it's just yeah, it's, it's 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 a lovely story that you tell. It's it's a fascinating insight, and I mean you, you'd know better than anybody, right? It is nineteen and a half minutes after seven. You are listening to in the red, Mark Watson alongside of me, Crusader and All Black, great Justin Marshall. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more. 
got to say a little bit saddened our last show of In the Red, Talking Crusaders Rugby every Monday night with an all-black grade. It's always a great privilege. Uh, Mark Watson alongside of me, that man, Justin Marshall. Uh, just a reminder too, Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrances. Justin, let's just get let's talk about the DHL. Two, DHL Super Rugby Pacific has just finished. Who was your DHL Super Rugby Crusaders player of the game? Well, funnily enough, um, you've already you've already touched on it, uh, Watto. Um, you know, it, was, it would have been very easy to gravitate towards, uh, you know, the likes of Richie Moonga, who I thought had a great game. But when I looked across, across the board, there wasn't one player that didn't didn't play well. You know, they they all played so so well. But I, I certainly felt that, you know, when it was needed, um, you know, Cody Taylor just with his, you know, generalmanship at the back of that um, mall, scoring two tries uh, and. You know, if he put it this way, as soon as I saw him go into that position, I thought to myself, this is going to be good because he's just so patient and so composed back there. And the fact that he got, um, you know, both tries and, uh, you know, when we, when they were needed, he fronted. Um, he, he was my, my DHL player, crusader of the round or of the day. Yep, so the DHL Super Rugby Pacific, you can no longer catch the action, but it was on Sky, it was wonderful, and next year don't forget to get your tickets on superrugby.co.nz. Text that's coming from Jared uh, Justin, you'll appreciate this. Well said, Marshy, about Razor not bringing in Crusader culture to the All Blacks. As a proud Cantab, that's the last thing I'd want. It's about black and jellying our next talented bunch of All Blacks and creating their own powerful culture, and I think this is the big bit we can all get behind. Absolutely, and, and I and, and I really feel strongly about that. And, and again, a big part of that also, with the way that Razor will coach this side when he eventually gets it, is and I've spoken about, you know, we've got to, he's got to be allowed to be himself. Is equally, he's got to get the support from the New Zealand Rugby Union. That they they have got to make sure that they don't lean on him if he, they feel that he's is being his quirky self or doing things that he would normally do, and that's going to be a shift for them because they've just got to accept that this is the guy for the job, and for him to do his job the best that he can do it, we've just got to allow him to be who he is. And if they get in behind him, like the rest of the country, you know, we, we are going to be in a good place. Yeah, I know, 100%. Well, I said, hey, what happened to the yellow van? <laughs> we actually uh, broke down. Um, it, lasted us, it lasted us for one season, and then it broke down, um, and we couldn't get it going again, so it went to the wreckers. Uh, but it was me, Daryl Gibson, Norm Maxwell and Razor. We were four boys that were living in the Sumner, Mount Pleasant area. Uh, and we would we would uh, pick each other up to and from our airport, uh, airport rides um, when we were, we were going away for, um, uh, when we were travelling away for games. Look, let's just quick focus on the Crusaders for next season. Uh, core group of the players will clearly remain. There's going to be a bit of a clean out in regards to the coaches. So Rob Penny. Tamadi Allison, who's been there this year, and a lot of people talking about him being a future head coach. Uh, Dan Perrin comes in. James Marshall is back. And also the addition of, well, Mr. Crusader himself, Matt Todd. Um, it's going to be a tough ask coming off the back of seven straight wins. You, you know the Chiefs are, are going to be strong again. You know the Hurricanes are going to be in the fight. There are no guarantees. Um, what is there too, Have they lost too much intellectual property with this new coaching group coming in? Oh, no, I, I feel that they probably wouldn't have liked to have lost all of the coaching staff. Um, but, you know, these guys have been there for a while. Um, they've been under Razor too. And I, I think what, what they have done is, is formulate, um, you know, really high standards. Uh, but equally, all of them are responsible for making sure that that jersey 
does remain in a very good place, and I think they've achieved that. And so when Rob Penny takes over um, with his coaching group that you just mentioned, uh, what they have done is they have left, yes, there's going to be some absence players that you cannot replace. You can't replace Sam Whitelock. You cannot replace Richie Moonga or Lester Fyinganuku or Jack Goodhue. But they have brought players through that have now been able to play quarterfinal, semifinal, final rugby like Fergus Burke and Dallas McLeod, as I mentioned, to Mighty Williams, how far has he come? You know, um, Quinton Strange. Uh, you know, they've, they've brought players through that this team will be left in a great place and should continue to be successful. Okay, uh, and this was a question that was put yesterday with Justin. So just finally, uh, are we allowed... And, and look, and I, I, and I think it's fair. The only other side that I think can match this was that wonderful Auckland side back in from about 86 to 96 with the likes of Fitzpatrick and Zinzan Brook, Michael Jones, John Drake, um, the Wettens and all of that, Foxy, the whole lot. But this surely has got to go alongside one of the greatest sporting franchises in world sport now we might look at it a little bit because it's New Zealand and we'll go oh, yeah but it's just rugby but the rest of the world still look at rugby maybe slightly differently than us they do look at it on a much grander scale perhaps they're not as um, uh, they don't you know they, they don't have the tall poppy syndrome but you know I think of the Montreal Canadiens and ice hockey might have won 26 Stanley Cups clearly there's been some very good English Premier League size the Chicago Bulls um, the likes of the Boston Celtics, uh, are we allowed to? Would it be fair for the world to sort of put the Crusaders in that sort of group? Oh, I think so. You know, the, 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 you can't deny uh, the, the statistics on how successful the site has been. You know, seven back-to-back-to-back titles. Like, it's just incredible. And the ability to keep doing it without um, slipping up. You know, not, not no sporting teams in the world um, are, are able to be able to be that successful. And they, they certainly have to walk with giants, I feel, in that regard because of what this current team under Scott Robinson have been able to achieve. And I know that they have themed themselves on great teams. So they have had a storm year where they went, um, Scott Robinson went to the Melbourne Storm and it, it, the, the theming was, you know, there's a storm coming because they wanted to be as successful as the Melbourne Storm and tap into them. And then equally, um, they've used the... Uh, you're going to have to help me here because my basketball knowledge isn't great, but Steph Curry's uh, side that won three three titles in a row. Yeah, yeah, um, Golden State Warriors. Golden State Warriors, yep. So they did three... So they, they used that as a theme to get yep. to their third. So these great sporting teams that have achieved greatness, the Crusaders have been to the been to the, where they've been and surpassed them, I believe. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because we, we can be a bit sort of degrading maybe of sometimes our own teams because perhaps we don't have the big flash stadiums and we're not talking hundreds of millions of dollars in terms of contracts. But, you know, I was lucky enough to spend three or four years uh, in southern France running a triathlon program and I just couldn't believe how big New Zealand rugby was in France, how big the All Blacks were, but how big the Blues, how big the Crusaders were. You know, the fact that, you know, that the, the sports um, company Eden Park uh, was set up in honour of, well, Eden Park. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> no, just, just just highlighting to people out there that, you know, we can get a bit myopic about it all, but actually, you know, overseas rugby and New Zealand rugby is a big, big deal and therefore should we, we should be able to put the Crusaders and our rugby teams up alongside of those other sports. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I, I just missed you there. What I think I had a bit of a blip in the phone, but um, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, if we think about where we want to get to, 
you know how how cool will it be if we can eventually get to the, the to the after what you've mentioned and where rugby is looked at from you know the rest of the world back back here in New Zealand mm. to the point where the Crusaders take on Toulon or take on Leinster, you know, and we finally get this ultimate challenge of of the best clubs facing off against each other. You know how how amazing will that be in the future if we can actually finally piece that puzzle together and we have the greatest teams um, historically in the world playing against each other in, in, a, in, a, in a race to, to, to be world club champion. That would be amazing. It I'd would. love to do that. I'd love to scrub the mud off the boots and get them back on to go and do that. That would be oh, so cool. Yeah, play. the only problem with that is, mate, we know the Crusaders will win. <laughs> <laughs> there's three that things in life, Justin. Even more. <laughs> yeah, three thing, there's three things in life, mate, death taxes and the Crusaders winning. <laughs> Well, it's not a bad thing, is it? No. Hey, Justin, look, it's been a privilege all season, mate, to work with you. Uh, thoroughly enjoy it. Uh, clearly, our listeners and those that are on social media enjoy it because you always get so many views, so many comments, so much engagement through uh, the narrative that you do provide. And so, um, yeah, look, thank you, mate. Real honour. And uh, you're, a, you're, yeah. a, you're a class act, mate. Thank you, Watto. And I've really enjoyed working with you. And, uh, yeah, I think we form a good team. And um, I'm really pleased to hear that the people out there Enjoy what we bring, and uh, you know, long, long may it continue. Uh, hopefully, we're back on the airwaves again shortly. So, thanks for your time, and um, I really, I've really enjoyed it myself. So, yeah, we can uh, we can sit back now and um, see what the All Blacks are going to do. That's going to be fascinating. Will be fascinating. A lot to look forward to. That is the great Justin Marshall. That is the final edition this season of In the Red, talking all things Crusaders.